while everyone was vibing in Toronto, in particular, Canadian legend Michael Bublé, a pair of Canadian NHL franchises decided to put down their beers and make a huge, splashy trade. Perhaps the biggest mid-season splash we are going to see this season. And then shortly after that, uh, two other Canadian teams decided to get in on the fun. And in the grand scheme of things, two of the high-in-demand centers at this year's trade deadline are now off the board. We talk about how the center market is impacted by these two moves in episode 398 of the Lace Mop Podcast, which starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duba. The Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames have been in the NHL for a very long time, yet this trade we are about to talk about, Brett, is just the seventh one they have made in NHL history. And boy, oh boy, it is a big one. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I didn't even. I'm surprised that they've made that many. I because like I mean I know the Flames and the Oilers obviously have that rivalry going because of the Battle mm-hmm. of Alberta, but you don't really think of like oh the other team and the that's even more west of um, Alberta um, gets in on the fun too. Like you know there's probably some some uh, kind of not hatred but not necessarily love towards uh the cal uh to towards vancouver if you're edmonton or calgary but that is kind of surprising though but what was funny is elias lindholm uh this actually happened last year um if you remember bo horvat was traded um at the all-star break as well and he was um that last year he happened to be like on the Pacific team, and they changed things up in the All-Star game, as uh, we'll get into in our rapid fire. But yeah, uh, I wonder if it was for this reason. Yeah, and it was just funny because then they had he was still allowed to be on the Pacific team because he was the only um, representative for the Canucks uh, last year. But it shows what a, a difference a year makes because this year, um, Elias mm-hmm. Lindholm, he was the only uh, Calgary representative um and he uh ends up joining the four other vancouver canucks players who were on the team um or who got to go to the all-star game as well because the canucks are now top of their conference um i believe they're doing better than the bruins as well um but um but yeah so um in any ways the in case you've been living under a rock or you know you're not up on the you rely on us for your hockey news um Elias Lindholm goes to the Vancouver Canucks um and um and then the Calgary Flames acquire Andre Kuzmenko uh Joni Germo who we'll get into in a second Hunter Bruskevich I think that's how you pronounce his last name Bruskevich I believe is how I've heard it okay. pronounced the uh, Flames also get a 2024 first-round pick and a 2024 fourth-round pick. Um, that fourth-round pick becomes a third-round pick if Vancouver makes it to the conference finals. And if the re- pick remains a fourth, 
Calgary will receive the better of the two picks that Vancouver currently owns. Uh, they also own the New Jersey pick as well. Um, so, so there's that. A little bit of a surprise just because, as I mentioned, like last year, a large reason why Bo Horvat was traded was because they felt that Horvat, like they were going to keep Pedersen, they were going to keep uh, JT Miller, for better or worse. Um, and granted, this was like back when both of those guys were struggling, the entire team was struggling, and they felt like, oh, okay, let's just trade Bo Horvat because he's older than the other two, and they can build their team around PD and all that. Um, so it's a little bit weird when I, because we were going to do a trade bait kind of up to, um, episode right now, and Elias Lindholm would have been the, the big guy um, to have. Um, and it's just a bit of a surprise just because of the fact that, uh, like, oh, they get another center. Uh, Lindholm is, like, yeah, he's having a bit of a down year this year. He has 32 points in 49 games for Calgary. Um, but, uh, and then last year he had 64 points in 80 games for Calgary as well. His be best year, though, was um, in the 2021-2022 season um, where he had 42 goals and 40 assists um, for 82 points in 82 games. However, he's much more known for his face-offs. Um, so, so that's why it's a bit of a surprise just because of, like, yeah, I know the Canucks are now a contender where they weren't last year and all that stuff. Um, but it is still a little surprising just because of the fact that like, they traded a lot for for this guy, and yet it's like, I mean, maybe they move Pedersen to the wing. They could move JT Miller to the wing. Um, because, like, granted, Lindholm is a better, takes better face-offs than um, Pedersen, JT Miller, and um, Bill Horvat. So, like... If you're going to get Elias Lindholm, that's like a big draw for him. Um, it's be like because this guy is, he has a career 53.3 faceoff percentage in his career. And he's been in the league for 11 years now. Um, so uh, that's pretty good. And he can also score. Um, and so, like, when you add, like, obviously, when you add a guy like that to it already, stacked team, Canucks team that has Besser with a career year, Quinn Hughes with a career year, Peter Pedersen with a career year. Um, I can just go down the list. JT Miller with a career year. It's like... Thatcher Demko being Thatcher, the Vesna candidate. Thatcher Demko's another one. Um, you know, like, yeah, you have to go make this move. Um, but at the same time, it's like, oh, like you traded a lot for this guy just to be a rental. So I don't think it's going to be a rental, but then at the same time, I'm like, well, I guess Petter, like you could just move Pedersen to the wing or you can move JT Miller to the wing and the problem to have more or less. It's just like, well, then why didn't they do this for Bo Horvat last year? Um, that, that part I don't understand. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I'm looking here on their cat friendly page and I'll bring it to you uh, for your general thoughts. Um, and we'll get into like, you know, what does this do for Vancouver and Calgary in a second, but I'm noticing, uh, so Pedersen is an RFA, as I thought, 
Elias Lindholm's also a UFA. Uh, Teddy Bluger is a UFA. Freddie's a UFA, and Dakota Joshua. So both Pedersen and Lindholm are free agents. Um, so, and, you know, Peterson is an RFA, but um, he's still going to be pretty expensive uh, to sign, even if he does have some team control there. Um, so, yeah, maybe they uh, see that. But I feel like they traded so much that he's not going to be a rental. So, interesting thing about the Elias Lindholm trade is that um, – he was always willing, in his words, wanting to stay in Calgary. He he never visibly stated, get me out of here. Um, apparently, the reported offer from the Flames for Lindholm to stay was eight years, $9 million per season, uh, which, as we know, if Lindholm was down with that, uh, probably would have signed it. But I, I feel like the need for Lindholm to be on a long-term winner, um, I don't think was going to happen in Calgary. I think Calgary, it was going to take a couple of years from, for, for them to kind of get their feet underneath them and kind of get back on the high horse, so to speak. Um, the other thing that um, the Canucks were looking for, from what I've been seeing on Twitter or X, I still call it Twitter, Elon, sorry. Um, one of the things that the Canucks have been in dire need for just in terms of um, what they're looking for at a certain position was not only a defensively responsible two-way center, which a guy like Lindholm, he's so good at so many different things. Like he's a hot commodity just because of everything he brings to the table, those intangibles that you don't get out of most two-way centers. But he's also a right-handed shot. Bo Horvat is a left-handed shot. And the Canucks in particular were looking for a right-handed shot. So if if that's part of the reason why they got Lindholm, I can understand the argument why all of a sudden, a year almost after getting rid of Bo Horvat, they're bringing in basically a two-way center with a lot of goal-scoring potential that's kind of, as opposed to Horvat when he left Vancouver, he was scorching hot, Lindholm less so on a of Flames team that's been underperforming offensively. So all things considered, um, the trade for the Canucks makes sense in the sense that this is the year to go for it, but also one final stamp to Elias Pearson to say, come on, stay, stay here long-term. Yeah. Like, what, what else can we do for you? What else do you need for us to prove to you that we want you to stay here and this is the best place to win is right here in Vancouver. Not only are we going to get a Swedish buddy of yours to potentially play on your line, but we're probably going to extend him because yeah. look at all the assets we just gave up to yeah. get him here. I think the reason why no extension was announced right away is because Elias Lindholm is going to Toronto to participate in the all-star game while representing his new team, but also represent his old team, because that's how the fans voted him in as Calgary Flame. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think the return would have been a lot less if it was for just a rental. Yeah. Um, there were conversations going on amongst multiple teams uh, between the Flames, and uh, Craig Conroy, the Flames GM, said Vancouver's offer was the best one out there, so they went with that. Yeah. And while it sucks to trade 
a guy like Lindholm to a division, a division rival, and he's probably going to be a pain in the ass for years to come. Um, ultimately, Craig Conroy did what was best for the organization. Yeah. And he got the best haul he possibly could. Um, there were reports from Elliot Freeman that there was one team that really wanted Lindholm but wasn't willing to, um, like, they wanted to sign him to an extension right away. And apparently that wasn't going to happen for, yeah. for whatever reason. And Freeman doesn't know for sure if it was Boston, but he's pretty convinced that yeah. screams Boston to him. Um, right. So that that on that surface is kind of interesting. So I, I feel like if you're the Canucks, you're not making this trade. You're not giving up this many pieces unless you know beyond a shadow of a doubt he's probably going to sign an extension with you in short order and at that point it probably convinces peterson to sign long term so i think it's a bigger play for the canucks another step in their direction to getting their star center locked up yeah. to a long-term extension and i think jt miller you probably move him to the wing because now you've got you know peterson centering one line and then a Lindholm centering another line. And you look at Lindholm's line mates in Calgary, he's going to have probably either Brock Besser on his line, or he's going to have, you know, maybe a right winger like, uh, or a left winger like JT Miller, whatever side of the wing that he plays. Right. Um, he's definitely going to have better line mate options in Vancouver than Calgary. And as a result, I think his numbers in the second half are really going to skyrocket. Yeah, I I mean, obviously, I think this is a good move for Vancouver. Um, and it's ultimately, um, yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I just, I don't know, I guess I just feel like, um, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't doubt that Boston was really in on it. Uh, I heard that the Athletic, if we if we do like Bruins Homer corner for a second here, um, <laughs> there was uh, the athletic had speculated that a, po a reasonable trade for the, for Lindholm would have been like a first round pick, Matty Patra and Trent Frederick who were um, um, who like Trent Frederick has really started to get it together um, I love Matty Patwa. I love Trent Frederick, especially what he's been able to do recently. But I would have done it. Um, I know like it would hurt because I, I do think that Matty Patra has um, a very bright future. And Trent Frederick, it seems like he's um, better than, than even the Bruins scouts expected. There was like, um, if you remember, there was uh, when Trent Frederick was drafted, uh, one of the Bruins scouts said, like, oh, yeah, we only see him as a third-line center. Um, and it's just, like, a weird thing to say to someone. And the fact that, like, Trent Frederick is having another pretty good season this year um, just speaks to, um, like, oh, he's actually better than than what... He's going to be the second covering of Brad Marchand. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, yeah. He's just, like, uh, it's just crazy because it's, like, the Bruins didn't expect this from it. But if you can get a guy like Elias Peterson, Elias Peterson, I mean, obviously I would love Elias Peterson on the Bruins, <laughs> but if you can get a guy, this is going to, this is going to annoy me though. It's like now that there's two Eliases on the Canucks, I'm going to get so confused. 
Um, There's two Elias Pearsons on the Canucks as it that, is. That, that is true, yeah. That's going to get even worse. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but, yeah, the fact that Lindholm, if you can get a guy like Lindholm, like, first-line centers don't come on the market that often. Um, and we'll, we'll get into it in a second when we talk about Monaghan, but the, now the center depth is, like, not very, very sparse. Um, so... I totally get it. It's just like, like it, I guess it's just like it's funny how a year makes where like last they have too many centers, and now this year they're like, oh, let's just put let, let's get Lindholm even because he is a. I mean, I guess as I was just mentioning that Lindholm is a better center than Horvat, um, so it makes sense from that standpoint. But because you're like, okay, so you trade a guy last year because you have too many centers, but then your big move this year is to get Lindholm, who is another center. Um, so it's just, like, that part's, like, a little bit, like, okay. Like, what? A, like if I'm Bo Horvat, I'm like, what? Screw you, Vancouver, you know? Um, but let's talk about Calgary for a second and the reason why um, this was a huge, like, return for Calgary. Um, and I don't know what Boston offered uh, Calgary, but I, fi- I would find it very hard for... Um, Boston to beat return um so uh you get they get uh Andre Kuzmenko in the deal um he's kind of struggled this year uh he had 21 points in 43 games um but there have been like he's been healthy scratched a couple of games um and um yeah there's just been a few times where it seems like he just isn't getting along with Rick Tockett for whatever reason however I didn't realize this last year um, he had 74 points in 81 games last year, um, and he had 39 goals. Um, so it's like clear that he still has something in the tank. It's just like he, he really did well when the team was struggling, and now and then when the team is actually good now, it's like, oh, he's not doing so well. So um, I do think that this is good for Andre Kuzmenko because – Whatever was going on with him and Rick Tockett or the Canucks staff, so it maybe it, like yeah, it probably sucks for him because he's not in the playoffs anymore, because um, Calgary's not going to be in the playoffs. But um, but yeah, maybe there is something to the fact like okay, well he can still play in this league, um, considering he had seventy four points last year on a bad team. Uh, the other point, uh, Hunter Brustevich, um he, uh, this is a, speaking of hard to pronounce guys, um, uh, I, I heard about him cause I think he was like a third round pick, uh, for the Vancouver Canucks last year, um, in the 2023 draft. Um, and then, um, and then this year he has like every now and then there's like players that go off, um, in the, the year after they get drafted, um, that and Hunter Brustevich is no exception. Uh, he has 69 points in 49 games. Nice, and um, that puts him fifth in the OHL in points. And he's a defenseman. <laughs> like he's a mm-hmm. defenseman. So he's the best defenseman. Um, I guess the next guy here is Zane Perich. Um, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. But. Uh, um, but yeah, he and I, I had also heard about him because 
uh, USA, Team USA uh, didn't pick him up um, in the World Juniors. Um, obviously, you know, they didn't need him. But uh, there was a lot of, like, um, um, like people defending Hunter um, in, on Twitter saying, like, oh, he should have been there um, in the World Juniors. But obviously it's, like, I, I think there is something to maybe, like, Team USA didn't like that he went to the OHL instead of going to college um, and whatnot because they did the same for Quentin Musty, who's also having a good year um, in the OHL. But... Um, but yeah, so but for whatever reason, I feel like um, this will help Calgary in their rebuild. Um, of course, the first round pick, uh, a 2024 first round pick, is um, is a good good get for Calgary. And like even if the Canucks get bounced in the first round, they're they're probably making the playoffs at this point. Um, so even if they get bounced in the first round, that's like you know that's a late first round pick. That's not not too shabby, and then they a uh, fourth round or a fourth or a third round pick, depending on if Vancouver makes it uh, to the conference finals or not. So, uh, so yeah, that that's like a pretty good haul for someone like Elias Lindholm. I think this is one of those trades where it's like, yeah, it's a lot for Elias. This also makes Vancouver so much dangerous, so much more dangerous than they already are, and they're pretty dangerous even without this trade. So, um, so yeah, this is like a, a pretty good move for both sides because yeah, it's a lot for one guy, um, but especially for a guy who's having a down year, relatively speaking. But at the same time, it's like, oh okay, Cal like I can see why Calgary did this. So it's obviously and, tough to evaluate what this guy is going to turn into in in terms of. NHL numbers, but Hunter Brusevich in 49 games, like you said, 69 points, 61 of those assists, like a, a pretty big assist guy. And uh, I've heard that you shouldn't say the name Adam Fox in Calgary or else you'll get hissed at and probably yelled at because, you know, he didn't want to play for the Flames and right. didn't want to play for the Hurricanes either. That's why they traded him uh, to Carolina and the Dougie Hamilton trade. By the way, that Dougie Hamilton trade just got even spicier now because oh, now yeah. Elias Lindholm has yeah, gone to the Canucks and they get basically four or five new branches of that. Can I? Can, yeah, and, that's and a good just point. imagine. Can I interject for a second? Just imagine, you know what, like what what Hunter could be there if can you I, know he, he commits to the Flames. But can I interject just for a second on that Adam yeah. Fox thing? Because I know I'm gonna, probably going to forget it. Um, but uh, no one at the time, no one knew that Adam Fox was going to be Adam Fox at that point. Yeah, true. so so it's not like it's not like a Cutter Gauthier situation because like you know he, Adam Fox was a third round pick at that point, um, and he played for Harvard. You know who um, who knows with that? So just I just wanted to interject that it's like yeah they could like I get I guess Calgary has a right to get mad at Adam Fox, but I feel like it's a different situation because it's a lot of hindsight bias. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> keep on going. But anyways, it, he could he could develop into potentially, you know, a guy that can rack up the yeah. assist, be a power play specialist for the Flames, which I definitely think 
is a piece that they need, especially if a guy like Noah Hanfin, who is also part of the Iceland home trade, right. maybe he gets traded and then all of a sudden another branch has grown yep. in that complex Dougie Hamilton trade tree as well. So there's still Noah Hanifin to sort out. There's still Chris Tanev to sort out. In terms of Andre Kuzmenko, it's pretty interesting because he was signed basically to Bo Horvat's previous cap hit when he left Vancouver. And everyone thought, okay, eventually Connor Garland and Brock Besser are going to get traded and Kuzmenko is going to be their power play trigger man. He got 13 goals on the power play last year, 38 goals too. What people also should remember is that similar to Bo Horvat's shooting percentage, Andre Kuzmenko's shooting percentage was totally unrealistic. It was 26.8 last year. Mm -hmm. He didn't even take 150 shots, and he still had a 38-goal season in just 81 games. And this year, as expected, eight goals in 43 games, only 21 points. However, he's only taken 63 shots, so his shooting percentage is still 12.7%. That's obviously a far cry from last year. His minutes uh has almost gone down by two full minutes uh, gone down from 16 15 to now 14 21 this year but if you look at what the flames did with Igor sharon govich a lot of people thought they yep. didn't get enough value in the tyler to bully trade and Igor sharon govich with uh, another year left on his his deal so he's under club control for another year um he's turned into quite the fine uh, little player for them mm -hmm. and maybe kuzmenko could be another success story in calgary who knows uh what this also does is as you mentioned brett it's going to open the doors for the young centers that we keep hearing about in the minor leagues that are doing pretty well and and maybe we'll get to see cole schwint uh another branch of the matthew kachuk trade uh finally make his mark i see on cap friendly uh, he has been called up uh, to the big clubs so we'll maybe get to see a couple of games of Cole Schwinn see what he can do Jacob Pelche has also been called up and this is something that yep. we probably expected to see at some point this year was the new guys getting a nice long look um it, at the pro level and the pro scouts really get to see uh, what these guys have uh on top of being one of the best point producers in the OHL uh this year Hunter Brusevich getting back to him uh, it should be noted that this is his second OHL season. You know what he did as a rookie? 57 points, 51 of them assists in 68 games. Uh, so he was just as good as a rookie as he is a sophomore in the OHL. And granted, he's on a very good Kitchener team. But Kitchener was, I would say, middle of the pack last year. And I think they all they did was upset uh, the number one seeded Windsor Spitfires in the opening round. Uh, Hunter was was pretty good uh, for for Kitchener last year as a first year guy, and uh, this year he's even better. Um, he's a right-handed shot, which should be noted because um, that seems to be an asset that GMs covet the most because it's more common to see left-handed defensemen than right-handed defensemen. It's part of the reason why if you can play on the right side, um, that's, that's a huge get for, you know, NHL caliber defensemen. Uh, so I think that's definitely going to help Hunter and, and the flames. The fact that he's right-handed shot as well. Um, Andre Kuzmenko, I think, uh, getting back to him, um, I think he's a guy that still has top six upside despite his struggles. I think the fact that for the most part, he's an offensive threat and less so on the defensive side of things. 
I think is probably where he got into trouble with talking because I think one of the reasons why the Vancouver Canucks are better this year and why they struggled last year is they weren't as good defensively. And I think Rick Tockett was in a position where if you're not good defensively and you're not buying into the system and other guys are going to do a better job of it than you, then they're going to get more ice time than you. It's as simple as that. And that's why heading into this trade, because Menko only has two points in his last 13 games played. But that being said, uh, in the games that uh, he has played uh, with the Canucks, uh, his power play time on ice actually went up from last year. It was three minutes flat last year, 327 per game this year. So if you look at the Flames and you look how bad their power play has been, Kuzmenko is probably going to get a lot of power play opportunities, which I definitely think is going to help his case. The guy that we haven't been talking about uh, is uh, Yoni Yermo, uh, a yep. 21-year-old uh, defenseman from uh, Espoo, Finland, uh, a left-handed shot, this guy. Um it should be noted that uh, he was an interesting selection. He was in the 2020 draft uh, as a third-round pick uh, by the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, taking a look at his numbers just real quickly, um, yeah, he, he has. has I, I uh, meant to. Uh, I meant to mention this. I, I have it. I had it pulled up. I just forgot. To four points that. in nine games. Uh, in uh, well, in uh, the Liga well, he uh, also with one played... team and then uh, one assist in 20 games with the other. Right, yeah, I was about to say, I um, he uh, he played for two teams in Liga. Yeah, so it's kind of tough to, yeah. to dictate uh, what those assets are, yeah. are going to be. So at, at this point, it's probably Brucevic and Kuzmenko are going to have the most type. But those diamonds in the rough, you can never really tell uh, mm-hmm. what's going to happen to them, especially, you know, four years down the line. He might seem like a nothing ad, but even if he's like a bottom pairing defenseman, he's still playing NHL minutes and that's serviceable for any NHL roster. If he can just be, you know, a guy that just holds the fort, the Canucks uh, or the Flames will happily take those um, in a situation where you're just trying to get whatever value that you can. Um, And like you said, those picks, the first round pick, a fourth round pick, um, you can get a lot of talent uh, deep in the first round, as we've seen in NHL history. So for a rental, potentially, even if it's not for a rental, the Calgary Flames are getting five assets, potentially, uh, for a guy that was probably not going to sign an extension long-term anyway, mm. uh, a lot better than just taking your chances in free agency. And Craig Conroy is very adamant that they weren't going to do that this year. So he pulled the trigger, plenty of time to spare. He got the best deal that he felt that he could for the team. And overall, I think for Calgary, they're going to look at at this trade down the road as a successful one. Um, But, um, you know, if you're a Canucks fan for on your end, hopefully it's successful for you too. Yeah, I forgot to mention the Joni Germo part of it, but um, but thanks for uh, or Joni Germo. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Um, it should also be noted the Flames can also trade those picks to trade up, or they can get an asset that just helps them contend yeah. sooner. Because I don't think this is going to be like a full teardown of the Flames roster. Because you're still paying Godry, you're still yeah. paying Huberto a ton of money on a lot of term. I don't think you're just gonna abandon the roster that you have you still have some pieces to build around right i think it's going to be a strong retooling 
and there are going to be a lot of pieces going out the door on deadline day. However, you still have a good team to build around, and if you can get if you can quickly get those assets within a couple of years, that makes you a playoff team. Um, maybe something special yeah. can happen in Calgary faster than people think. So I, I think it's more of a strong retool than a rebuild that uh, Conroy is uh, putting out here. Yeah, I mean, like even still, it's like uh, just from the factor that like it looks like uh, Matthew Coronado is getting some playing time. Connor Zeri has been pretty good. Um, in the time that he's played right now. And it's like, we know what, like, yeah, Jonathan Huberto isn't what he was in Florida and same with Nelson Kadri and in like what he was in Colorado or Toronto. But at the same time, like those guys are going to be a part of like, no one's going to want those two players because given their long-term contracts that they're at right now. Um, So like, you know, you could use those guys as like a bit of mentors to the rest of the team. Um, while like Jacob Peltier gets used to the NHL, while Connor Zary gets used to the NHL, same with Matt Hugh Coronado, and eventually when Brunt Hunter Bruce Stevich gets into the league, you can uh, use that as well. And yeah, as you mentioned, they still have Noah Hannafin to trade. It seems like uh, there was like a a report early on in the season. I don't know if you heard this, but. Uh, Noah Hannafin was offered a contract extension, and it would have had him be paid like seven million per year, and he turned it down. Um, and that's like as I love Noah Hannafin, he, I think he's an underrated defenseman. He's not worth seven million per year, um, so that that either is an indication that he just wants to go elsewhere, even though he knows that he could play. Um, you know that like he could just get the money or maybe he's he thinks that he can play better he's worth more than that for some reason but um so you can get a lot for Noah Hannafin either way uh because it seems like he's not gonna sign with Calgary a uh, long term um I mean there was a report circling around Ottawa when they there was that roster purge where Stone and Duchesne yeah. left where they apparently offered to single a five by five, and he said no to that. Which, sure. thank God, he said no. Because yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would have probably screamed buyout in a couple of years, based on yeah. how the rest of his career planned out. And there was also but, word that they were willing to give Matt Duchesne like nine or ten million a yeah. year just to stay there, and he said no. So I don't really know how much of those. Oh, apparently he was uh, given this contract offer, or he yeah. never wanted to leave. True, true. I, I guess some of that is hearsay, but I'm sure the truth is there. Uh, um, somewhere in the middle there. There, I don't know exactly what. Like we will, we probably will never know. But like the point of yeah. the matter is, if the, like it seems like he's not going to, he's not. Gonna yeah, if he turned down seven million, then yeah. take that as a hint and yeah, trade yeah. him while he still has value. Exactly. So, um, um so yeah, yeah, but that is a good point. Like, take that for what it's worth. It's possible it's not true but um even if it wasn't true it's like okay maybe maybe there is something here or something similar happened where it's like okay it sounds like he's not gonna long term so anyways expect that in a couple of days when uh hannafin gets traded uh but in the meantime um i feel like it should also be noted by the way before we quickly go uh, the Canucks were, were kind of wincing at uh, trading Brusevich just because they liked the yeah. player a lot. 
um, and they knew they were going to have to give up a good asset to get. But I just wanted to leave you with this about Hunter Brustovich on his Eli Pro, uh, Elite Prospects page. Uh, great puck moving habits and deception in his game, which enables to be a force in transition, can constantly make four checkers miss with fake changes of direction, timely spins by moving the puck before they can get to it. He attacks space to fire on net and manipulates defenders to get shots through and opens passing lanes to the slot. I now understand the Adam Fox comparisons because that's what dynamic defensemen do is they make you second guess a lot of the times. Uh, so if, if that can translate to the NHL level, um, man, the flames have themselves a real gem on the blue. Yep. Yep. Um, so now, uh, like um, a few days later, actually, um, it seems so that uh, Lindholm trade was on January 31st. Um, by the way, I feel like we don't mention this enough. We get all our information from cap friendly. So that's it's mm. not like we're we're saying all these facts and stats um, uh, just off of our heads is we're, we're literally looking at cap friendly um, and other sources. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so uh, January 31st was uh, the Lindholm trade. And then February 2nd was when Sean Monaghan goes to the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Montreal ends up getting a 2024 first round pick from Winnipeg. And they also get a conditional 2027 third round pick. There's a potential that Montreal will get, um, well, oh, but okay, I should say I didn't read this fully, but I didn't know this. Um, that that third round pick is a conditional pick, and that's only going to happen if Winnipeg wins the Stanley Cup this year. So mm. a little bit um, unlikely to happen, but it is kind of like you don't see that every on every trade. It's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, in any case, um, what's interesting about you know speaking of the Calgary Flames. Um, they uh, ended up trading originally. Calgary Flames had drafted Sean Monahan, um, and they sent. Um, and when they traded him to Montreal, uh, there was a conditional uh, first round pick um, in, in the twenty twenty five draft to Montreal. So like they gave, Mont uh, they gave um, Montreal a first round pick just to take Sean Monahan. Which is interesting because, one, Sean Monaghan actually played well in his time in Montreal. He had 17 points in 25 games last year. I assume that's due to injury uh, last year. And then this mm -hmm. past that's year... Part of the that's part of the reason why Montreal traded him as early as they did is because they feared he would get injured close to the deadline. Fair. So when they felt the time was right to pounce, they made their move. Yep. And then um, this, this past year, 35 points in 49 games. Um, mm -hmm. which is also pretty good too. And like, you know, Montreal hasn't been good this, this past year. So like the factor that Monaghan has been able to put up decent amount of points on a bad Montreal Canadiens team, just like, you know, it's like that shows that he's a pretty good player at that. Um, so yeah, now he goes to 11 Monaghan. points in his last seven games, by the way, yeah, just yeah. putting that up. Um, I had actually forgotten that, uh, Mon Calgary sent a first round pick to Montreal with Sean Monahan there. Um, so, um, and then like, I forgot that there's so many conditions on that pick in general. 
where it still hasn't been decided yet because it's like if Calgary's first round pick is it between the 20s and the 32nd, Montreal can take that pick instead. <laughs> uh, then this isn't like, part of the convoluted. Yeah. It, 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 in some roundabout way, they're probably going to get a first round pick from Montreal. Somehow, probably. But then, um, uh, then Calgary ha- also got like a Florida's first round pick in 2025 due to the due to the Matt. Uh, Matthew uh, Kachuk trade so then there's like a little bit of a conflict like if both Calgary and Florida's picks are not top 10 Montreal will receive the better of the Calgary and Florida's pick Uh, it seems okay so that's and this is for 2025 by the way yeah (laughs) this is this is why I didn't bother to include the specifics because it's just like I don't want to go down this rabbit hole a second time (laughs) oh yeah we we did go by this when we talked about this yeah I was just like okay I still don't get it even though I think I get it I really don't get it fair fair enough I, I won't go through it all but um but it is just funny it's like it's not even this year it's like next year um yeah so um so yeah for anyways um yeah this is a this is a nice trade by uh kent hughes uh the gm of montreal um because like he gets a first round pick uh for sean monahan because calgary's just like take him um and and then he's able to get a first round pick as well by trading him um and uh yeah so so that's pretty nice um and uh yeah well i guess we should also talk about winnipeg or what winnipeg gets in this it's like yeah if if sean monahan can stay healthy obviously this is a nice move for them um particularly like now i'm looking at cap friendly's depth charts that they have here and they have sean monahan as the second line center um right now um in between cole perfetti and nikolai ehlers um, yeah, and... I'm pretty sure that's an upgrade from his linemates in Montreal. Exactly. Yeah, and it's an upgrade for Winnipeg as well, because, like, their third-line center that they have currently is Adam Lowry. Of course, the first-line center is Mark Shifley. Um, and I think they were, like, experimenting with putting Gabe uh, Villardi on the second-line center, um, but I guess that that experiment has is over now um, because uh, he's not... Um, that they ended up getting Sean Monaghan. And I, and I guess there's nothing stopping Villardi from being a center again, because I know that he was a center in his time in L.A., and he was briefly a, a center in Winnipeg. But, but yeah, maybe they just uh, felt like um, he's better as a winger, which is fair. I know Cole Perfetti can also be a center too. So, you know, any any amounts of centers that they can have, like or anyone, any winger that can also play center is – is good for them but yeah it's, it's always nice to have like you know okay you have sean monahan you have mark shifley those guys are centers um and that's good to like rely on if if you need to um and especially now that winnipeg is might make the playoffs now i think like yeah they're i guess it's possible that they could get out of the playoffs because of how tough the central is but um but yeah I, I think this is a nice move for winnipeg um, just because it's like, yeah, they they kind of, like, I didn't really think about it, but, yeah, Winnipeg was struggling without a center. Um, I, it must have been because of the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade that they made in the offseason. So, yeah, Sean Monaghan, who knows if he can remain healthy, but 
if he can remain healthy, this is a nice grab for Winnipeg, especially because, as we were alluding to, not a lot of centers on the trade market now. Um, there's Adam Henrique, um, who uh, who is like a bit... He's been on the trade block for how long? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair, too. But And he is making 5.825, so I imagine when Anaheim's going to have to uh, retain some of that salary. Um, but, yeah, Jack Roslovic, I'm seeing here, that could be decent for some team that wants to take on. Oh, I guess Roslovic is 27. Never mind. I thought he was. Um, but, yeah, there's not a ton of centers out there now that Lindholm and Monaghan are out. So, so, yeah, this is a nice grab for Winnipeg because they're like, Okay, if we don't get Sean Monahan, Boston's gonna grab him, or um, I don't know who else needs centers. Um, so, uh, so that's that's a nice uh, grab there, uh, for sure. Um, where it's like, oh yeah, okay, Sean Monahan, yeah, he's he's also making one point nine five million. So I really like this for Winnipeg, and of course um, Montreal. Like Kent Hughes is like, you can't like. He, this this move overall, like the ability to get two first rounders for Sean Monahan. I mean, Sean Monahan's a nice player and all, but the fact that he was able to get two first rounders for him, um, it's pretty good asset management. So um, I feel like uh, a lot of a lot of teams now are going to be afraid of trading with him because uh, because he kind of um, he kind of wheeled and dealed there. Yeah, I, he's starting to get that Steve Eiserman vibe where yeah. it's just like, if he calls you, like, you hang up the phone. Or, you don't even like, say or don't. What does he know that I don't know? Kind of. Vibe. What does he yeah. want now? Yeah, exactly. How is he, he going to screw me this time? Exactly. I, I'm not interested. Don't have the time. Yep. Um, taking a look at uh, Sean Monahan, he's also uh, spent nearly 60 minutes of time on ice this year in the 49 games he's played on the penalty kill. So. He has a bit of penalty kill uh, upside uh, to his game there. Um, so all things considered, you're, you're getting a guy that can play those situations if needed. Uh, for the most part, in terms of forwards on the Habs, he had the third most time on the power play, over 172 minutes uh, on the season there, uh, averaging over three minutes uh, per game, both this year and last year before injuries derailed his season um in comparison to when the Habs got him this was his final season in Calgary and it was very noteworthy because Calgary um was fighting for their playoff lives the year before his game was really starting to regress and a lot of people were wondering what the heck is wrong with Sean Monaghan his his poor performances are kind of sinking this team here and last year, um, his last year in Calgary was kind of the lowest of lows. 7.2 shooting percentage, worst of his career. Uh, only eight goals, by far the worst of his career. Prior, his single season worst was was uh, 10 the season before, which he did uh, in uh, 15 fewer games than he did in his final year in Calgary. Um, still decent on the power play, but his power play ice time had shot down from 3.11 per game to 2.16 per game. Uh, his average ice time in total went from 17.41 all the way down to 14.04. So it was pretty clear things weren't working out in Calgary and a change of scenery was needed, which is why the Flames were in that position where it's like, yo, 
we'll give you a first round pick if we have to just take them off our hands please we need the cap space to go out and do something and so montreal took on his cap it because they weren't really going anywhere they brought him back at an affordable rate on a one-year contract they parlayed that into you know a pretty decent offensive season and now they get another first round pick out of that so if you're ken hughes again you look like a genius um but here's what the winnipeg jets are getting you mentioned the 13 goals the 35 points um his shooting percentage is back up to 12.5 percent an uptick from the 5.3 percent uh compared to his final season in calgary um six goals 16 points on the power play so he can produce on the power play you always love power play depth the winnipeg jets are getting that uh throughout this time it should be noted um not only has his ice time gone up from 1404 to 1722 to 1827 this year it should be noted that throughout all of that his face-off win percentage has been above 50 percent even his last season in calgary was 53.3 percent he won 415 of the draws he took that season uh in 25 games with montreal last year he took um he took uh, a fair amount of face-offs. He won 177 of them, which is 55.1% of his draws. This year, 399 face-off wins, one shy of 400 uh, to finish out his final season in Montreal. 55% of the draws that he took this year, he has won with the Montreal Canadiens. So when we say that he's entering a top six position and whether or not he can handle it, there's no doubt in my mind he can handle it. It's whether or not his body is going to be able yeah. to handle the workload uh, because this is probably the highest leverage situation he's been in since, you know, the cream of the cream of the crop in terms of his performances in Calgary. Yep. His final season in Calgary, he was averaging 29 points in an 82-game pace. Last year, 56 in 82. This year, it's up to 59 in 82. So this is not uncharted territory for him, but in recent days, it's uncharted territory. And um, the, the only concern that I have is injuries. In terms of, you know, a depth center, a number two, a number three center, I think he can definitely fit right in with the Jets and contribute on both sides of the puck. Um, and if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you're basically, I think the main factor is, you're getting a resource that other teams that are trying to catch up to you aren't going to get. And I think that's also a big bonus for them. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely do worse. And especially as I had alluded to, it's like there's not a ton of centers that are out there now. So um, he is better mm -hmm. than Henrique. Yeah, he's not Elias Lindholm, but uh, there is like a tier. Like he is definitely a tier above Adam Henrique or any of the other centers that are out there right now. So... Um, it should yeah. also be noted, by the way, before we move on to the next uh, sure. point, uh, Montreal didn't retain any salary of Monaghan in this contract. And yep. here's why. Uh, because they already have retained two contracts, uh, Joel Edmondson and Jeff Petrie, which are off-season deals. Um, if Montreal wants to retain salary in other deals, which I expect they will, whether it's to help out another team facilitate a trade so they enters the third man in on a three-team deal and they get something out of it um they can do that or if they want to retain salary on another player like say a mike hoffman for example to trade him out of town and up his value a little bit they can now do that i believe the limit for retained 
contracts in a season that you can carry is three. So now that they have two retained salary contracts, they can only retain one more contract salary, uh, which is why I think that they didn't retain salary on this deal. It should be noted that Evanson's retained salary is off the books July 1st. Uh, finally, the Carl Alsner buyout is off the books as well. So they do have money to play with next season. But in terms of retained salary, I'm pretty sure they only have room for one more move in that regard. So I think to save that for deadline day in the hopes of getting more future assets, because I don't think this is the last deal they're going to make before the deadline. They're yeah, probably going to make a few other moves. Uh, one of the moves they're probably going to save for a retained salary. And that's why they said, okay, we'll take on the full salary of Monaghan. And, and I think that probably also was the only way they were going to get a first round pick for Sean Monaghan. I don't think Winnipeg was going to give up a first round pick um, unless it was going to be, uh, I don't think Philly was, or um, I, I don't think um, the the Jets were going to be be able to, to, to get away with, um, I didn't even want to think. Maybe maybe the Habs could have gotten more if they retained salary on um, on Monahan's contract. But at the same time, um, I think um, they're probably wise uh, just to uh, have Winnipeg take on the full contract because it was probably going to cost them in the long run to sell other assets. That's well. I, I guess it's more, I, I mean, I think, I don't think Monaghan's worth a first round pick. So um, just because of the, like the injury concerns and all that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so like, yeah, I, I feel like I don't know if Monaghan would have been able, like you couldn't, um, I don't think there I think would the be market dictates it though. If there are yeah. other big name centers, I think Monahan's on the board longer and sure. he doesn't get this type of return. But that's kind of what I was saying beforehand is that I don't like because he was easily the second best center yeah. out there. Yeah, I mean I guess like because Elias Lindholm was traded um just like like, you know, a few days beforehand. Maybe if they had waited a little bit longer, maybe there would be someone that they could, like a team that would, would have offered a first and a prospect or a first and like a young player um, mm -hmm. who can play right now. So maybe you have a point there, but yeah, at the same time, it's like, okay, um, this guy, like who knows when, if he, how long this guy can stay healthy and um, you just didn't want to risk that. So um so I can understand why the Canadians did that um, just from that perspective. All right, so now we move to the rapid fire here. Um, I do want to mention the All-Star game, uh, just be, even though I know, Steve, you did not watch. Um, but I do want to mention that, one, uh, McDavid uh, wins the skills competition, that he actually talked to the NHL to like make it better. Because in years past, it's like it was always fun to watch on TV and like I'm I'm a sucker for these types of things so whatever but it was uh it was kind of cool that like McDavid and the NHL were like oh let's let's make this to what the players want so that they actually go it was kind of cool that like oh yeah each player gets a million dollars um and McDavid ended up proving that he is the best in the world by doing this it's like they had top guys playing in the skills competition. It was McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon, uh, Pasternak, uh, Kucherov, although it seemed like Kucherov did not care at all about that. 
the skills competition. You had McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Elias Peterson. You had a bunch of guys, and it's like, if you named me, like, 10, 10 of the best players, that's pretty much the list that I just mentioned. So that was kind of right. cool just to have, like, just to sh- have guys who actually kind of cared um, and play, like, and just play these, like, different skills competition. Um, and um, and I also, like, just felt like in general, like, having the players draft, um, even, like, having, like, stars like Justin Bieber and Tate McRae and uh, Michael Buble and Will Arnett um, and having this draft set up. And it, it just felt like, like, you will never get, like, like uh, cross checks or hits in the game and that's that's fine and mostly i take it for what it is like like the all-star game is for the fans it's mostly for the city there but i did feel like just the added bonus of like having some money um like up for grabs for these players like yeah pasternak makes 11 million dollars and mcdavid makes even more than that and a lot of these players make a ton of that but yeah, that that does it like it did come through in the um in the in the performance cuz like all through like the 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 first game and the second game and the third game, they all ended in like a shootout um because it was Well, the tight. first two did. Yeah. The other the oh, other yeah. was the a bit more lopsided, but right. it was still close towards the end. Yeah. Also you get matchups that you wouldn't normally right. see because yeah. like McDavid and Pasternak are in the same conference yet. They're yeah. on the same line together. Yeah. That was kind of cool too. And yeah, I was about to get to that. It was just like really cool. Like, yeah, you'll never see Pasternak, Dreisaitl and McDavid on the same line. And I was just like, like, Oh God, like this is really cool. Like, even though I know like it's whatnot, but like, you, you know, in years past the all-star games ended with like 10 to like 11 or like, crazy high numbers but a lot of these games ended like five five or six five or like three two even so it's just like it just shows that like players are playing and i get that it's you're never gonna get like stanley cup playoffs level performance out of this it's it's a break for all players you know they need a rest it's a grueling season and all that stuff but i do like the fact that these like it shows that these nhl players care just for a second um, I also think it was um, just a few more, just one more point though. Um, I did like as a Bruins fan, it was a little odd for me watching Pasternak have a breakaway, and the g- opposing goalie was Jeremy Swayman. So for a brief <laughs> s- second, I was conflicted on who do I root for. Um, and then the, also in the shootout, Pasternak ends up winning the t- the the game for Team McDavid. Because he uh, he gets a he got a uh, you know he got a goal in the shootout against Jeremy Swayman. So um, I, I'm sure they're they're gonna be laughing about that in practice right now. But um, but yeah, I thought that was uh, it was it was kind of strange for me, but it was also like kind of cool too, where it's just like oh right, like I I, I was pretty much watching just for Pasternak and Swayman, um, but it was like at the same time I was like oh this is pretty cool that like all these guys are there um like yeah they're probably hungover and don't care but it was nice that they were all there and it was a good event and it it was nice to see toronto win something um they're (laughs) not gonna get that uh for a while so um yeah um because uh team matthews uh ended up winning the whole thing marner matthews nylander and morgan riley 
um, were all on that team. And they, uh, the team split a million dollars. And again, it's like Matthews doesn't need the money or anything like that. But it was kind of nice that it's like, oh, like, like I feel like that, like just, you know, you never have more money, you know. So uh, I think, I think that kind of helped um, it navigate there. Um, yeah. The other the other things I wanted to mention, obviously, Conrad David winning the skills yeah. competition and winning four events uh, just goes to show you what kind of a beast he is. I like that Conor Bedard was involved in the passing aspect of the one-timer drill. It, it made me even more bummed to know that he couldn't take part because of his injury. Um, but uh, Michael Buble just having a good time and proving that he's just like any other guy. He just is just here. He's here for vibes. Um, and that quickly made me smile. Yeah. Um, and yeah, at uh, least winning something in 4K, never never thought I'd see the day. Also, the jerseys, I think, are hit and miss with a lot of people. Yeah. I definitely will say they went for something different and they really went for it. Um, I still like last year's a lot better, but kudos to yep. the Jersey makers. Uh, Adidas's final run at the All-Star game, they definitely thought bold. Uh, some of the designs worked better than others, but I definitely give them credit for uh, really yep. going for it. Yeah, I also like that there was like celebrities there, as I mentioned last week. It's like it's cool that mm-hmm. you can get like someone like a Justin Bieber there. Um, it was just cool, like seeing him. Like, like he grew up a Leafs fan, and it's just like he he showed up. And, like he did the the pregame skate with them. It was just like, oh, like this is like. And then they had like a sound bites of him like palling around with all these other players. It's like, oh, that's like really cool. It's like, yeah, it's Justin Bieber or whatever. But it's just cool that like, oh, all these players are like, hey, it's Justin Bieber here. You know, like he's like a bigger than life guy. So it's kind of cool there. Um, and even getting someone like uh, Tate McRae, who um, grew up in Calgary and she's up and coming now, but that's that's pretty cool to just to have that. Like, it's good for hockey, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, all right, uh, the Kings do end up firing Todd McClellan. Uh, this is a bit we did an episode on that last week for the Kings, so they did end up getting him there um, and firing him, but. Um, Ended yeah. up being after a win as well. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. It's not a game that they lost either. Yeah, I mean, I I think we kind of expected it, though, at that point. It's like, yeah, Rob Blake yeah. did mention, like, oh, his his job is safe. But at, at a certain point, it's like, okay, it's like you have to do something. Um, yeah, during and, the All-Star yeah. break, you have your bye week. Yeah. Like, if not now, when, right? Yeah, and it's also funny. I was complaining about Alex Turcotte and all that stuff, and he ends up getting a goal in the next game, and he, he's actually doing pretty good. It would be kind of interesting if he can, like, turn their season around just purely by, like, oh, you should play Alex Turcotte more. Okay, cool. Um, it should be noted, by the way, Jim Hiller is the guy right. tasked with taking over the Kings. Uh, just a bit of a background on this guy. He played pro hockey from 1992 to 2002, left winger for those Kings, the Red Wings, and the Rangers. He was only in the NHL for two of those 10 seasons, but in 94 with the Rangers, he ended up getting a Stanley Cup ring, oddly enough. Yep. As a coach in the WHL for a bit, then he became an assistant coach for Babcock's Red Wings in 2014, went to the Leafs when Babcock went there, where he was... Uh, later an assistant coach with Barry Trotz and the Islanders for a few years when he was fired along with Trotz in 2022 
He ends up going to the Kings to work for Todd McClellan as assistant. And now for the first time in his NHL career as a coach, he is the head coach of an NHL team. So uh, he's getting tossed right into the frying pan as the Kings are just hanging on for dear life in a playoff spot. And uh, yep. they're, they're going to be tasked with uh, winning games immediately. Uh, so interesting uh, how Jim is going to respond to all that pressure. Yep. Uh in unfortunate news here, uh, but we have to report it. Uh, Alex, well, so we reported last week that Alex Formanton had reported himself into the London police, and now the four other players had been reported into the London police. Now, Carter Hart um, is the big name here um, who reported, uh, but Cal Foote, Michael McLeod, and Dylan Dubay, uh, they reported to the London police. What's interesting here is now that we can publicly mention it, um, it's interesting because uh, the Flyers and the Devils both said that uh, these players were taking a leave of absence and they just left it at that. Uh, Dylan Dubay or the Calgary Flames, uh, they said that he's taking a, uh, Dubay is taking a leave of absence due to uh, mental health issues. And um, it's unclear, like the Calgary Flames did go on afterwards and saying like, we had no idea that we, had, we didn't know that Dubay was, um, was involved here um and he we were just going off of what dubay had told them and also according to emily kaplan their lawyers had told uh these guys to not specifically say why you're taking a leave of absence so maybe this is just dubay saying like oh yeah i'm just leaving because of mental health issues or whatever um but and and you know he was the first one to actually do that so he probably didn't know that the other guys were um, gonna um, not do that, um, but like mm -hmm. even still, it's kind of a little strange because you feel like it's it's now it's just like a weird thing because it's like who like did the Calgary Flames know? Did the Flyers know? Did the Devils know? It's it's like that's just something that's always gonna be in the back of everyone's mind now um, on on who knew and who didn't know. But it's kind of also like just a flat like if the Flames did know and they use the mental health break as like an excuse, that's, that's even, that's pretty crazy. Um, so I, I would like to give the Flames the benefit of the doubt here, um, but, uh, but yeah, of course, this is very sad news. Um, yeah, it's just, um, and oh, and also there was a, they, because there's a backlog of court cases in London, Ontario, there, it's a very likely that we won't get to hear this trial by the end of like 2026. So that means these players are just gonna have to wait um, and, and do stuff. And Gary Bettman had mentioned that it's gonna be very hard for, and you know, these guys aren't our free agents this year. So uh, Gary Bettman was saying that it's gonna be very hard for these players to come back or a team to sign them. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll have to see from that point, but of course this is very unfortunate news. Honestly, I know they're the whole innocent until proven guilty, and in light of you know how the Corey Perry Connor Bedard yep. rumors stuff, like how everyone went too gung ho on that when evidently <laughs> Connor Bedard had uh, and his family had nothing to do with what happened with Corey Perry and all that. Um, I, I feel like we should take every piece of resource with a grain of salt. It should be noted that London police is going to be speaking Monday, February 5th. Yep. So maybe we'll get some new information there. We'll see. But 
one thing I will say is for anyone who ended up taking part in this, not, not going to say who will let the court process play out over the next couple of years and we'll see what happens. But to anyone who was a part of this and knew what they were doing and know exactly what they did, you are lucky if you even have a hockey career after all of this. Yeah. And you can be sure that every single teammate who wasn't charged or may not every single teammate, but those within the vicinity of what happened, you can be damn sure they're going to be asked to testify and they are going to yeah. be appearing in that courtroom at some capacity. Uh, this is going to be a long, long process. Um, it's going to cause a lot of stress for a lot yeah. of hockey families, but justice has to be served here. And uh, for the female victim in all of this, she's hurt the most out of everyone. Yeah. And we need to keep that in mind as this process continues. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a sickening feeling either way you slice it. Yeah. Hockey Canada, the people involved, everything sucks. Uh, there's no good transition to this next <laughs> nah, <laughs> to no. this next item here. Uh, but I guess uh, it's good to put it on a good note here. Uh, the NHL is going to the Olympics um, in 2026 <laughs> and 2030. So that's great. Also, next year, uh, there's going to be a Four Nations Cup, which is going to be USA, Canada, Finland, and Sweden. Uh, they're going to be playing in Boston and Montreal. So I, I do kind of want to go. Um, I know that it's like it's it's going to be a little bit unfortunate because guys like David Pasternak, uh, Kudrov, um, Drysaitel won't be able to play in that. But it is kind of cool that they have the uh, the Olympics going and that they can look forward to in 2026. Um, I've been waiting a long time to see uh, Jack Hughes, Austin Matthews, Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, um, all the Kachuks, all the Hugheses, all playing on the same team. And Matthews. Um, so, I um, even if they don't beat Canada, I I do look forward uh, to to seeing that. The dream scenario for um, for me is Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, and Connor Bedard yeah. on Team Canada. Three generations of superstars playing on the same team. Yeah, twenty twenty six is probably the only time we would ever get to see it. And I really hope hockey gets to see it because uh, Canadian hockey fans deserve uh, that that watershed moment there. Wait, wait, um, say, say the three again. Connor Bedard, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby. Oh, Sidney Crosby. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Nathan McKinnon, too, mind you, yeah. because Crosby's buddy. But, no, 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 that's fair. But those are the generational talents yeah. that uh, everyone keeps talking about when we talk about, like, yep. the, the Canadian superstars. It's those three. Obviously, yeah. McKinnon is very, very good, but, I mean, everyone yeah. was going gaga over over Crosby and, and McDavid and yeah, yeah. Bedard. Like, the hype machine for them was was just absolutely unreal. Um, yep. Like, with Nathan McKinnon, there was Seth Jones and Jonathan sure. Drew in uh, to talk yeah. about, too, but, like... No, Mc, no, that's fair. No one, no one was doing what Bedard was doing or what McDavid yeah. was doing or a Crosby was doing quite like them. No, no, I, I totally agree. I think in, in terms of, like, hype hype uh before they got drafted yeah it's it's definitely was crosby mcdavid and bedard i had but it's it's just funny because it's like now it's like it felt like like i guess it's hindsight and all that but it, it did feel like um mckinnon you could add to that list even john Tavares you could add to that list but yeah that's um that's fair too um 
Yeah, if, if you're a Canadian goalie, you're probably going to the washroom every five minutes uh, because, A, you're going to have to out-tool a trio of... Uh, that's one of which of these uh, four goalies won't be included because that's how low they are. Demko, mm. Swayman, Ottinger, and there's someone I'm definitely forgetting, but at the very least, those three. Hellebuck. Um, on, uh, sorry, who? Uh, Connor Hellebuck. You mean Vezina? Hellebuck, winner? yes. <laughs> yeah, and, may, and maybe John Gibson. Like that, that yeah. the, you have a five headed monster on the U.S. there I don't know. to contend with. But not know. only are you going to have to try and out duel yeah. whoever they put in the American uh, in the American net, but you also have like shooters relentlessly shooting pucks at you. Well, both uh, Gibson and Ottinger are struggling right now, but uh, yeah, true. But even so, then, like you still have yeah. an awesome trio. You, do, you do have Hellebuck and Swayman, but yeah. So um, it, it, one of Canada's best goalies yep. leading up to the Olympics is Carter Hart, and uh, yeah, he's, not he's probably play. not playing hockey in twenty twenty six. So yeah, yeah. I don't. I I assume. I mean, the thing is, is that like. As much as I've been saying, like, yeah, I, like, you know, you have Matthews, you have Eichel, Jack Hughes, uh, the Kachucks, the uh, Quinn Hughes, Charlie McAvoy, I could go on and on, JT Miller, um, mm-hmm. Brock Besser, um, I'll stop. But, like, I'm still scared of Canada. <laughs> so, um, and, like, yes, I know that there is a weak point where Canada doesn't somehow have a ton of goaltenders, but uh, but I, I'm still, like, I feel like this is USA's best chance because uh, uh, you could make a case that Austin Matthews is the best American plane um, ever right now. Um, and then you also have uh, Jack Hughes, who's good in his own right, the Kachucks, uh, Oh, I'm looking forward to rooting for Matthew Kachuk um, and Brady <laughs> Kachuk. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the Hughes brothers, Quinn Hughes is doing well. So Jason Robertson, I didn't even mention him. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's I'm, I'm looking forward to at least that where it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be tough dry to deal as well on Germany, because yeah. uh, I assume they'll be in the tournament. That's also sure. going to be hella fun to watch. Yeah. And and also those rising wave of German stars yeah. also have most cider there too, probably. Sure. I will say, like, just, yeah, that is a good point. Um, I will say, though, that, like, the Four Nations Cup is is kind of, like, I, I get why they're doing it, I guess, because I, uh, but, um, but, yeah, at the same time, it's like, um it doesn't feel like it's best on best uh, because yeah. because of like, I know I understand why. And of course it makes sense why Russia is not involved with their involvement with what's going on in Ukraine right now. And also there's like doping history with, with that country. Um, so I totally get why Russia is not involved, but I do feel bad for David Pasternak. I do feel bad for Leon Dreisaitl and even like, you know, someone like, Artemi Panarin, who hates Putin, but he's getting punished for it because he's not, um, because he just happens to be Russian. Um, so it's just, um, so that part's a little bit frustrating because it's like, um, it's like, oh, well, what if you don't like Putin, but you happen to be Russian? And there's probably a large percentage of Russian players who go to, who are going to the, the States purely because they don't like the government there so like that part's like a little bit strange where it's like okay um 
it's a little like it, you get into that weird territory there um i do feel like um i know that our minutes are up here but i do feel like if we don't mention it now we're never going to mention it uh colorado signs zach parise um mm-hmm. which is an interesting move um the uh i mean like he hasn't played in a while and who knows but it's it's a good depth move for colorado um who he's probably a decent like third line guy now at this point mm-hmm. in his career and you know you could do worse so i do like that move it could come back to, it could uh pay dividends uh come playoff time so i do like that move chicago extends uh peter Morazic. um which I, I thought was an interesting move there. Um, yeah. I mean, they gave Jason Dickinson and Felino yeah. a lot of money as well yeah. to be on a bad team. I mean, it's yeah. it's a short term investment that uh, the players like, and after those couple of years, you know, they yep. probably move on from those guys, and then they start winning again. They did draft uh, um, uh, Drew Camesso, um, and they have him in the system, but. I would imagine Camesso is like a few years away and you don't even want to rush him, especially yeah. when Chicago is that bad. So <laughs> I do, I mean, yeah, Peter Morazic isn't like, you know, like he's, it's good that he's like sticking around. Like he hasn't been as bad as I thought he would be. Like he has a nine ten save percentage and a 2.92 GAA. Like that's kind of, that's pretty good actually for uh, a team like Chicago. So, um, so yeah, he you know maybe maybe he can be better once the team gets better. So we'll see. Um, and also, I I did want to mention uh, Washington's extends uh, Protoss, and it's only noteworthy because it was a five year deal worth three point three seven five million. Um, speaking of Russians and all that, it's like this this Capitals team is. Is kind of just playing for that goals title for uh, Alex Ovechkin, but it seems like Al- something's going on with Alex Ovechkin at this point. Where I don't know if he's going to get that goals record at this point. Um, so it's just like right now, according to Cast Friendly, they do have Protoss as a, th- a second line left winger. Um, so maybe he'll do he'll continue to do that. But at the same time, he's averaging 13 minutes of ice time. He has 18 points in 46 games. It's not a whole lot um, in the grand scheme of things, but I, I just never like when teams uh, play, uh, pay like five, like a long-term deals worth not that much money. Um, doesn't make a ton of sense. Like you shouldn't necessarily need to do that for like, like even bottom six guys. Uh, I also wanted to quickly mention this um, because it might be one of the biggest bargains uh, in the NHL moving forward, especially as the cap goes up. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers uh, gave Ryan Paling yep. a two-year deal, which is pretty nice. No one's talking about that because they also paid Owen Tippett. Eight-year deal, $6.2 million per season. Last year, he had 27 goals and 49 points, 18 goals, 30 points, and 46 games this year. Um, his goals per game has actually gone up slightly, even though his ice time has gone down, his power play ice time has gone up. Hmm. Um, 6.2 million is going to look like a bargain when you consider this guy's 24, it'll be, it'll be like 32, 33 when this deal ends, basically, um, actually just turning, uh, 25 in a little bit. So yeah, he'll be 33 when this deal ends and you have him at uh, locked up at 6.2 million per season 
while the cap is is going yep. up uh, and you can start to build a, a competitive roster that's ready to win every single night. So right now, obviously, if you're looking for bright spots on the Flyers, you have Owen Tippett. Right. Um, and, um, oh, and I, I guess I, I know, like, the whole purpose of doing 15 minutes of rapid fire is so that we can avoid doing this. But I do also mm-hmm. want to mention Jesse Pugliarvi. Looks like he uh, he's signing with Pittsburgh um, mm-hmm. here two years, um, 800K uh, for two years. He's two actually years. He's actually not doing so badly um, in the AHL because um, he was just on a PTO for the time being. But, um, but yeah, it could be a sneaky nice move for the Pittsburgh Penguins um, in the long run if he can get going and, and figure out his career. Um, he's never going to be like what we expected him to be when he was drafted. Um, but if you could get a capable player at 800K, um, yeah, that, that could, could work out. And I think Jake Gensel might be on his way out. So... Um, yeah, so I was just about to say it's going to be yeah. interesting to see because apparently uh, the rumors were, uh, I don't know if it was still the case this weekend, uh, yep. but the rumors were that during the All-Star break, Gensel and Dubis and the Penguins brass were going to meet a- and kind of look at where the Penguins were, if they're going to be a team that goes all in at the trade deadline, uh, and if they weren't going to be doing that this year if that would fit in with Gensel's ideals and whether or not it would be time to uh, move on uh, if you're Jake Gensel. So now that they signed Pugliarvi, who is a primary right winger, but Jake Gensel can also play the right side too, um, I'm interested to see what that means uh, leading up to March 8th, uh, which is about a month away, so a lot can still happen, obviously. Yep. Um, okay. Um, yeah, that about does it for us here. Um, in, um, in, uh, in, uh, sorry, I'm just doing something else in the meantime. Um, <laughs> that, that, that wraps up the show. Yeah, that wraps up the show. You can follow us on Twitter, um, at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, yeah, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll chat again in episode 399 of the Lace Them Up podcast.